wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Today we're continuing our look at Psalm 119, verses 145 through 152. And the theme of this section is drawing near to the Lord. Draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. And in many ways, what the psalmist is creating here is you can think about this as a monument to the memory of of prayer. He's looking back on a season of intense struggle, but that intense struggle drove him to his knees. It drove him into the Lord's presence. And so he's describing the time and manner of his praying life and how he had to plead with God from a position of struggle and sorrow and fear and weakness. Of Charles Spurgeon says of this section that he who has been with God in the closet will find God with him in the furnace. So he's having to walk through the furnace, and this is his testimony. And you can use this as a pattern for an incredible testimony to the faithfulness of the Lord and how he prayed during that time. You can see in verse 145 how he prayed. I cried with all my heart to the Lord. 146, what did he pray for? That you will save me. Cried out, save me, help. When did he pray? 147 and 148, I rise before the dawn to cry for help. My eyes anticipate the night watches, morning and evening. How long did he pray in 148? All throughout the day, all throughout the watches of the night. What happened when he prayed? 150, those Or what motivated it? 150. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. Or maybe that's actually like the case of Daniel. They started pursuing him more and more because he was praying. Then 151. How was he rescued? The Lord was near. He was close. And then 152. His witness to the whole matter. Of old I have known from your testimonies that you founded them forever. Your word is sure, it's solid, and I have known it from my earliest days. So this is a monument to the praying life. A couple things to notice to help motivate us to pray. Notice how he prayed in the first couple verses of this section. I cried with all my heart. Notice, I cried with all my heart. That doesn't mean he always used words. These prayers were not always prayers of the voice, but they were always prayers of the heart. Heart cries are the essence of true prayer. Like Paul says in Romans, the Holy Spirit incedes with groans too deep for words. How do you know that you've experienced true, deep, real prayer? 
often you can't even find words for it. Just a groaning. Then notice in these first couple of verses, three times he uses the word, I cried. My cry. I cried. And what did he pray for? What was his desire? To be heard. Hear me. Notice how often he says, hear me. Answer me. It's not enough just to go through the motions. It's not enough just to go through the form. He asking, he's asking God to hear him, to express attention, consideration, to act. But then notice what the response will be. I will keep your statutes. Don't expect God to hear you when you've spent your life ignoring him. The goal of the deliverance is more obedience. It says, you hear me, but I've heard you. I've listened to your word, and I will obey it. Then notice when he prayed. He's up before the sun and then all through the watches of the night. It's a great pattern you see all throughout Scripture. Morning and evening prayer, the morning and evening sacrifice, lifting up the voice first thing in the morning, and the final thing in the evening that bookends the day, and then seeking to offer up short prayers all throughout the day. But notice what fuels the prayer. It's meditation. Meditation is the fuel. And then in 149, there is a turn. And it's, hear my voice. So now the cry of his heart has been made manifest in the words of his mouth. Now, some people will find it easier to give voice to the feelings in their heart. But no matter how easy you find this, it is essential. The feelings of his heart must become incarnate, manifest in the words of his mouth. But notice the two grounds for his praying, according to, hear me, according to, according to your loving kindness, your hesed, your faithful covenantal love, and according to your steadfast word. God's faithful love and his faithful word are the two things that give hope to the believer in the midst of dark times. They're the anchors, the rock that he stands on. Then in 150, he finally turns his thoughts to the cause of his trouble. Now, notice it's been five, six verses before he's gotten to the cause of the anxiety. And the cause are enemies, other people, difficult relationships, somebody they're surrounding him. He can hear the footsteps of his enemy all around him. He knows they're close, they're lurking, they're waiting to pounce. But then in 151, this is the great hope the anchor of his hope, the truth he's going to stand on the comfort in all of his afflictions, the Lord is near. And then in 152, what a gift this is. Of old I have known your testimonies. He's celebrating the fact that even from his youth, when difficulty strikes, he knew where to go. When fear came, he knew where to run. When the darkness fell, he knew where to turn. What a gift it is to know of these things for most of your life to be raised in the atmosphere of grace where the Lord's truth was taught to you at an early age. How much sorrow can you bypass? How much suffering can you sidestep by knowing these truths from an early age? Of course, the reality we all know is that it's the trouble, the suffering, the sorrow that really teaches us, drives us to the depths, drives us to our knees. But here we see a wonderful monument to true prayer. And we also see the testimony that 
anything that drives us closer to the Lord is for our good. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father. 